Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Greg Cantor of Murray Lampert. Greg began working with Murray Lampert Design, Build, and Remodel in 1977, completing job site cleanup. After spending a year as a carpenter's helper in 1978, Greg concentrated on his education majoring in business at SDSU. In 1983, he was hired as an assistant superintendent and quickly took on a large workload of kitchen and bathroom projects. Within a year, Greg was promoted to superintendent and in 1985 to head superintendent. In 1990, Greg's grandfather, Murray, retired and Greg bought the business and became president and CEO. Over the years, Greg has been responsible for managing over 2,000 home remodeling and construction projects. Now for the conversation with Greg Cantor. Hey, Greg, glad to have you on the show. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into some things, but uh, maybe just give our listeners a little bit of context. What's the company? Where are you guys located? And you know, types of projects, that sort of thing. Okay, so we're Murray Lampert Design, Build, Remodel. We're in San Diego. We're a four-generation family business. I'm the third generation. My daughter is the fourth generation. She joined us after graduating from Miami of Ohio with an architecture degree. My wife works in the business too. She started out when our kids were very young, working from home, doing the books and the accounting. And so now she's more in the office than at home. Right on. Man, four generations. That's super cool. So was it was it your side of the family or how did that all start? Murray Lampert was actually my grandfather. So it was my grandfather and my grandmother started the business in 1975. And I originally started doing cleanups on the job sites in 19 around 79. Yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. And so so you kind of came in, you're scrapping lots and doing that sort of thing. So when did you come into the business and you know maybe into some other roles or you know did you just kind of grow up in it? How was that experience? <laughs> Not really. Well, so I did, I was in the automobile and tire business side of things because we had a family tire business too. And so I did that for a long time, I went through high school and then I, I was at San Diego State College, worked doing two jobs, changing tires and working for the company. And so at a point I just said, I just I don't want to do this part-time thing. And I went to my grandfather and I said, I really would like to be full-time. You can pay me nothing until I earn the right to earn, you know, a decent pay. And of course, he wouldn't not pay me nothing, but I made very sure. little when I started out. But I just caught on really quick. I just assisted a superintendent to start. And like within probably two months, I had 30 projects that I was running throughout San Diego County. 
Wow. Yeah. That's uh yeah. So did you just love it or it just feel like you had a knack for it? Or yeah, that seems pretty fast to go from just like, yeah, let's do this to managing all the pressure. Well, well, I've always loved it. I still love it, but it was a lot of pressure juggling all those jobs. And um to this day, I still, I mean, it's I'm passionate about, I mean, I like people, I like that it's all, different all the time. And I like us to be different and treat people different than what they're expect what what they're used to. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. When did you make the transition to you're running the show? How deep into the journey was that? So I went from assistant to full-time superintendent. Then I was director of production, basically. And then I worked in the field, you know, running jobs and and also selling for till the around 1990. And that's when my grandfather decided to retire. And I bought him out. Actually, my wife and I bought him out. And, and then I took over control of everything, all the day-to-day business side, sales side, marketing, and the production. There was a learning curve there for sure. But marketing has always really been another one of my passions. And I dove into that and took some chances that paid off. Why do you think marketing's been a passion? Was that something that you like picked up when you were doing the tire thing or just something that was like a creative outlet or <laughs> I don't know. I just I I liked um the creative part of it. We started out in radio and then eventually we started doing TV and we had endorsements from people in San Diego and then as soon as the web came and we we built our first website and then it became so measurable and trackable i just think that part is very rewarding and also the messaging part of it i i really enjoy that yeah that's cool it's yeah it's interesting to hear about you know the the tv radio cuz like if you do that really well at a local level like the the branding power there is pretty enormous but I kind of came into marketing and I'm a very numbers driven person. So I like, I never understood branding for a long time. Like TV radio, like you can't right. measure it, you know? So I was like straight into the web. I'm like, I love this. You can track everything. When did you first build your first site? You know, were you pretty on the, on the early edge of that or? Very early. And it was a templated site. So it was through a newspaper in San Diego that has sold twice since. And they, <laughs> they don't have the digital side. That's a whole nother story because a lot of the medias try to be all things to all people and do digital and they don't do it well. But I had to get my feet wet and we we put together a site. I mean, I didn't do the backend stuff, but I provided the content and in- imagery. And that was somewhere in the 90s. I, I can't remember the year, but that was the first of about 10 different websites that I've been through. That's definitely early and especially for this industry, that was early. So you probably experienced a lot of success there just digitally, just having a domain for a long time and being like early in the game. The authority is, you know, that is great. I mean, so. Yeah. Tough to replicate domain age. and authority. You know? right. So yeah. So I guess as you, you know, kind of took over and you had, you're wearing all these hats and, you know, building the business. What were those years? Like, were you growing pretty fast or did you hit some flat zones where you're like, ah, what am I even doing here? Or, you know, what was that like? Cause you know, business ownership, man, it can go a lot of different directions. <laughs> well, as you know, it ebbs and flows. And, you know, we've weathered three recessions and now the pandemic. And I have to say that the pandemic was the last two years have been the most difficult, but the most rewarding. Hmm. 
Why do you think that's been? Well, the reason it's been rewarding is we were able to keep everybody employed. We grew to twice what we were before the pandemic. We improved systems. So we have really good technology, which I've always stayed in front of technology, but we're even better now. We improved our architectural design and interior design. And so what we present to clients now compared to two years ago is light years ahead. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Yeah. In in the pitch and the presentation and everything. What kinds of projects are you guys focused on these days? So we do everything from additions to whole houses, sometimes teardowns and rebuilds. And now probably a half of our business is ADUs, accessory dwelling units. Mm -hmm. And that's partly because I've been very active with the city in front of the changes in the code. Actually, I've done some interviews with city officials and we were in front of the wave. And so it became a specialty. I've written a lot of content that is organic that shows up in in search results. So we just get a really steady flow of these type of projects. That seems like a good lesson. And even in an industry that's like been around for a long time, some people would call it like old school. Like there's always innovations. There's always new things. And, and if you do like you did, where you kind of jump on the front end, like you can really capitalize on those. That's right. cool. I'm curious, just like what the company looks like today. It sounds like uh, you just brought, you know, bringing your daughter in who I think is his fourth generation. Like, right. what are, what do your roles look like? How are you guys kind of like navigating that? Well, so we've always been design build, but we were very small and we did our own design. And then we had a draftsman. I took a big jump hiring an architect in the early 90s. And then eventually we've With my daughter's help, we built an interior design department. So now architectural is four people and interior design is five people. We have five project managers. We have two project consultants, a director of project management, my daughter who's VP of operations, my wife who does the bookkeeping, and a couple of admin people. So we're at about 25 right now. That's cool. Yeah. Sounds like, uh, yeah, you guys have got a lot of work. And you said half of it's ADUs? About half of it's ADUs. And these ADUs are, I'd say 95% of them have been for families, not for rental income. And that's what we want to stay in is is working with families. We don't want to do developments or, you know, tracky type construction that's purely for profit. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you feel like that's what makes you guys unique or what, you know, when you think about your marketplace and everything, like what sets you guys apart? I think one of the things that sets us apart is just that we really are, companies say they are a team, but they're in silos. And from start to finish, not only the owners, but all the departments are working together. And so just because the project consultant sold a job doesn't mean that he's not going to be actively involved throughout the process. And the architect, the interior designer, we do field visits to the to the job site to just make sure that things are executed properly and that the client is getting what they expected. Yeah. I think that goes a long way, especially in this day and age, you know, where you know you dial in and you have to hit a bunch of numbers and you know it's like everything's automation like that. 
right. that personal connection, yeah, makes a big difference. That's why during the pandemic, we did Zoom meetings as much as possible, but you could never in our business rely on that alone. You have to have the face-to-face. We have meetings with the team. We have client meetings with the team. And that collaboration is just, I mean, that's vital to everything going smooth. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Do you mostly still operate out of the office or did anyone like work remote certain positions or how did that, you know, play out? We've been in flux. I mean, we've, we've pivoted when we've had to, there's been times where people that were vaccinated were positive. And so we we've shifted to a lot more laptops that are workstations so that someone can just take their laptop home and still be productive. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, you have to, have to change and, you know, make it work somehow. And yeah, yeah, I feel like overall like that, you know, obviously putting the pandemic to the side, but like the, the fast forward of like use of technology, it really sped things up in a big way for, for, I think for every industry, but definitely for, for ours. So it's been interesting to see people navigate that. (laughs) For sure. And, and that, you know, the computer and IT stuff is another thing that I really enjoy. And I enjoy analytics. And so, of course, with digital advertising, it's very measurable. But conventional advertising is a lot trickier. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And so do you guys still do a mix of both in terms of marketing or is it primarily digital? It's a mix, but I'm starting to come to the conclusion. I do want to continue with video production because we repurpose videos. You know, some of them have been shot in a news studio, others out in the field. Having the videos to use on YouTube and, you know, to send to clients is really important. But I'm, I'm starting to feel like the broadcast TV is not as important as the digital stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly feels that way. And I mean, especially the way TV gets chopped up into, you know, subscriptions these days with, you know, yeah. Hulu and YouTube TV and like, fast forwarding commercials, like it's challenging. (laughs) Isn't it weird though? We went from being able to DVR and not watch any commercials to getting free TV. If you watch commercials to having streaming where sometimes you're forced to watch commercials before you can watch the programming. And then the same commercials are running over and over and over again. So people get annoyed with that. 
I don't know. It's very watered down. I've tried OTT, you know, what that is over the top, which is streaming. <laughs> it's been very hard to measure. The broadcasters can give you beautiful reports that are that are really puffed up and there's a lot of data there. But at the end of the day, it's not measurable as website traffic. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I feel like the play is always, well, you got like 50,000 impressions, you know, and it's like, okay, but did I get any more calls? <laughs> right. Know? And that's the whole thing. It just frustrates me when I can't track back to our website. And that's why yeah. digital is, you know, it's so trackable and scalable and manageable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned that you guys are doing video and you've done, you know, do stuff in the studio. And I'm curious, what does that look like for you guys? Are you like, are you in front of the camera? Are you getting team members in front of the camera? Or is it all like project focused or all the above? The shift that that I made, the conclusion that I made a long time ago is to to stop talking at people and start stop doing like conventional advertising. We don't do deals and offers and those kind of things, but we educate and inform. And so I made a big shift. I was doing some co-hosting on radio and then TV and radio. And then last year we did our own kind of franchise called Our Family Your Home. That was on mm -hmm. ABC. We're going to probably do a little bit more of it this year. But so I think it works, but it's more branding on the broadcast side. And then we take those segments and repurpose them on the digital side. That's where I think they have the most power. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I think that's a good way to think about it too, is like separating like the branding from like true lead gen or, you know, things that are trackable. Right. I've definitely come around to both are important, but if you do, if, if you can't track Especially, you know, if you're not a monster company, you know, like Coca-Cola, Nike, these kind of guys, like if you can't track right. it, you end up, you don't know what you're doing. You waste a lot of money on different things. <laughs> True. And, and the other thing I'll say about that is we have competitors that are a lot bigger than us. They spend a lot more money. I would rather be smarter and more efficient. I'm not going to go to war trying to match their budgets. I think if it's better quality and it's more targeted and more strategic, it performs really well. And you get your share of leads. There's enough business out there. And again, it's much more manageable. Yeah, agreed. Well, and right now it seems like there's enough business for everybody for sure. <laughs> well, yes. And that's the thing I want to be sensitive about is I don't want people to get upset about lead time for us to get out. And I don't want to raise our prices and then have people upset. We just want to keep people happy. And if it's not a job for us, we try to educate the caller or the person that emails us and have them feel good about when they walk away, at least they get some information if we're not a fit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. It kind of takes that like educational approach in marketing all the way into the sales process too. Cool. Well, I got, I got a few more questions and then we'll wrap up. One is kind of a, a fun one. Any like wacky projects or or uh, crazy client stories over the years that you can share that that's coming to mind? Well, I've seen it all. And sometimes I feel like I should write a book on, you know, contractor stories. You know, we've opened up walls and found things hidden. One time I'll never forget in an old house, we pulled this medicine cabinet out and it was full of razor blades in the wall. And I had never seen in the old days, the single edge or the double edge razors, they would just, there was a slot in the in the mirror in the medicine cabinet and they would just drop their blades in the wall 
And there was like hundreds, thousands maybe of blades in the wall. (laughs) That was pretty crazy. But there's there's some stories that I can't really repeat. That's fair. Yeah. Come across. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the razor blades, that's that's wild. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that was a a delicate situation to make sure we get those out safely. (laughs) We've opened up walls and found, you know, 220 wires soldered together, you know, just things that were oh here's a wild one we did we're doing a job it was a whole house and there was a like a lantern light in the front yard and when we were digging things up we found that there was a garden hose with romex wire threaded through it that was their how they ran it from the panel to the outside and yeah yeah i'm sure i'm sure you could go go on and on thanks for sharing yeah and then i guess you know as we look forward you know and just thinking about the industry what do you think are a couple of big challenges that as an industry we all need to be thinking about and and working hard to solve i think one of the things to solve is just the cost of building and remodeling hopefully that's going to solve itself and it's going to level out some of it is duct directly attributable to how long it's taking for permits and also, you know, that everybody's busy too. And so I don't know, you're in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what the labor force is like there, but everyone's pretty stretched. So you know, we just have yeah. to really balance and we get people signed on early, like our trade partners, we get them signed up so that we can keep things moving and, and have the job finish on time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good point. I mean, uh, just regulation and like how long just development time and permits and like all of those things It just, yeah, it's getting drug out further and further. And further. Yes. And in California, it's even more strict. So it is what it is. That's what we pay for to live in a beautiful city and state, but I just hope that it can get a little bit streamlined and not have costs go up anymore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we've got a lot of uh, remodelers listening. If you could leave them with any words of wisdom or a piece of advice or anything like that, what would you want to say? I'm going to share what my the first web developer that I worked with when we built a site from the ground up told me that nobody can write content better than the owner of the business. And so that's probably what I would leave here with is you want to be... Let your viewers or people that are clicking on your website see what who you are, you know. And I see so many websites where there's no identifiable people, even there's no principal, there's no staff, and it's just impersonal. And we're in a personal business, and so I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. And yeah, it's tough to replicate the the voice of the owner, the person that you know. Has the yeah. vision and knows where you're going. So yeah. Well, Greg, this and is the awesome. People too. The, we want our people to be seen, you know, True. because that's a reflection of us. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You can extend, you know, the personalities and the culture and everything that you've developed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good advice. And uh, Greg, I really appreciate you sharing your story with me today. Well, thank you for having me on, Spencer. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.